So, uh, we're in Acts 14. Uh, we're going through the book of Acts, and I don't know about you guys, uh, if you've been here for all this, but I've been really super convicted by just the faith of the brothers and sisters in the book of Acts and all that God is doing through them at that point in time as a Christian today. Uh, some of that I can relate to, and some of that is just super convicting and humbling, and like, what am I, what am I even doing? And so um, I want to encourage us all today. I, as I put this together, the question before me was, uh, was uh, just simply, um, what is preventing me from being bold for God, from being that bold for God? What prevents me from that? I have good moments and I have bad stretches, and I can be really inconsistent. And so I was asking myself the question. I want to encourage you to do the same thing as we go through this uh, chapter in Acts 14. Uh, before we get into that, though, it has been a, 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 a great week in many regards. Uh, many graduations happening. We see our kids growing up and succeeding at the little milestones and steps uh, in life, which is cool. Weddings are happening. Uh, it's great to see Grayson and Ivy wed. Uh, in the, the Lord. Uh, that's going to be great to watch them grow as a married couple. Uh, for me personally, for our family, man, it's been a real challenging uh, few weeks uh, in the sense of uh, uh, earlier in the week, uh, a, a good friend of mine in high school, Bill Rachel, unexpectedly uh, passed away. He got in a head-on collision with a dump truck and was dead on arrival, and I keep in touch with him a little bit on Facebook and, and stuff, but we were really close back in high school. And man, it just it's like, wow, that's, a, that's a, a, unbelievable. He's left a wife and kids, which is really tragic, to left sorting that out. And then also, uh, we've asked uh, much of the church for quite a while to be praying for our friends down in Milwaukee, the ceases, Steve and Colleen. Colleen had been battling uh, cancer for a long time. Uh, going back to 2012, she had breast cancer, and she beat that, and she was doing great for a couple years. And then just a couple months ago, things came back really with a vengeance, and she has had stage four cancer in her bones and everywhere else. And so Christine and I, we, we grew up with them, and their kids are our kids' age, and we're, we stay close with them. And, and uh, um, on Friday night, uh, Colleen went home with Jesus, so that's difficult. <clears throat> and they say when you turn 50, you get more emotional. I think I'm feeling that. I turned 50 a few weeks ago, so... I'm going to try to keep it together, but really, to be honest with you, man, it's a heavy time. Uh, we've been down there a couple times to engage, and it's amazing how much you think about mortality when you see a friend that used to be so different just weeks before, uh, withering away and, and, and fighting for their lives, and, and uh, you feel so many different things from, uh, from compassion and anger. Uh, and even sometimes bitterness to, to hope. Uh, and it really, you know, it really caused me to look at mortality quite a bit in the last uh, few weeks uh, and use that as just sort of a, a, a chance to back up and evaluate my own personal faith. Because, man, when things are going good here on earth and everything's in line and all your ducks are in a row, sometimes you forget about all that big picture stuff and it takes something like this to... To, to, to kind of get your attention and think about, man, what, what am I doing with my life from day to day? Where is my hope? Is my hope today or is my hope in the big picture? And uh, man, I'm just so proud of my wife and David also. David's really good friends with both of their boys uh, and Lewis in particular. They're, they've been best friends. 
And uh, even since we moved here, and, and uh, they, they were down there all weekend. They were there on Friday when Colleen passed uh, with their family. And uh, I'm super proud of David to, to minister uh, and to engage in trying to help these guys as they're trying to make heads or tails out of, man, my mom is gone. My mom is gone. Uh, it's just a heavy thing. And I'm so proud of my wife for loving them and going back to the house yesterday with Steve to just sort of reorganize everything to make it into a home again. Colleen had been home for a long time, and there was, you know, of course, all the things to accommodate her struggle right there in the living room and all throughout the house. And, you know, the heart there is to try to help the boys just sort of return to some kind of normalcy. Uh, and I'm just so encouraged by Christine and David. And uh, please be praying for Steve and his two boys, Preston and Lewis. Man, they've got, they've got a new reality to really wrap their arms around. Uh, and prayer helps. Prayer just helps. Uh, so let's pray at this time, and then we'll get into the Bible. Uh, God, thank you for, uh, man, thank you for having our backs and directing us and watching over us through good times, through bad times. Uh, God, I just specifically want to lift up to you uh, all that are hurting, uh, all that are grieving, uh, is, uh, especially, specifically, my friend Steve and, and his sons, uh, who are trying to figure out how to, pr to move on without their mom, without Steve, without his wife. Uh, God, wrap your arms around them, comfort them, help them have vision for the future, help them not lose hope in, in you uh, and in your promises and in your goodness, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Acts 14, again, as I'm thinking through this scripture, I'm, I'm thinking about, man, where does this faith and this power come from that we see time and time again in the book of Acts? And so let's survey. We're going to read through this chapter and stop here and there uh, and take a look at that. So verse 1 says, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual to the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But... The Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas, here's they had a choice. I'll stop right here. So we, they're going into this city. There's, there's the spiritual battle ensuing. They're preaching effectively. And some people believe. They got the message. They, they're like, we want this. This is awesome. This is exactly what we're looking for. And then some people, on the other hand, are like, uh, this is not good. And they, and they start talking about Paul and Barnabas. They start slandering them. They start sort of getting under their skin. Now, they had a choice to make right then and there. They're evaluating this. And I know in my flesh, as I consider like my opportunities to share my faith from day to day, throughout my life, throughout my business, man, when I feel resistance of any kind, even if it's coupled with good, my tendency is to be like, oh, I guess it's, I just kind of take a step back here and uh, let this play out because I, I, I don't want to engage in that. I don't want to be thought poorly of or, you know, that sort of thing. And so I'm convicted by that right there. And so, uh, so what do they do in verse 3? So Paul and Barnabas, they, their choice was they spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. There's a formula there. We'll get back to that. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and to stone them. 
But they found out about it and they fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. So they're in the spiritual battle. So Paul and Barnabas are out preaching the word. Many people became disciples. Many people not only said no thanks, but they, they, they were prompted to slander them and later plot physical harm on them. And so we see an interesting formula here in verse 2 and 3 that I think replays itself all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the book of Acts, where God's people are confronted with a conflict and they've got to make a choice. And it might be a personal issue. It might be sharing their faith. It's just, it has to do, I have an opportunity to stand up with God, but it could cause my person difficulty in some way, shape, or form. They choose, what do they choose? They choose to do it anyways. They choose to be heavenly, thoughtful, and, and put themselves aside and engage in it. And in return, what happens? Time and time again, we see God like boost the situation up. I will give you this. If you show me the faith, I will give you the courage you need. I will give you all the tools you need to shine in that situation, to do well in that situation. And in this case, it says here in verse, at the end of verse 3, uh, they, they were speaking boldly for the Lord, who, meaning the Lord, confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders, right? So this is the, the, oftentimes the brand of encouragement that God gave back then. And I believe it has a lot to do with today. We have the Bible. We have the New Testament. We have the gospel to share with people. Back then, they didn't have the New Testament, right? And so I believe God inspired these guys to do miraculous things to get their attention, much like today the Bible does. Man, when we lead people to the Bible, we don't need to heal people. That's the healing right here, right there in the gospel. The point I'm trying to make is there's this cycle that happens, and I, I'm questioning myself, how often am I a part of this cycle where I'm like stepping out on faith and God's, uh, I can feel God's, God's weight, God's encouragement, God, like all of a sudden I don't matter anymore and I'm just speaking the words of God, right? We've been studying the Bible, I hope you don't mind, Brandon, we, I sat down and did a Bible study with him, we were talking about sharing, sharing our faith and he goes, man, I shared my faith with this this girl at school, she was needing help, and I, I shared the gospel with her. And Eli's like, how'd that make you feel? And he goes, it was amazing. It was just great to help and to reach out and to like encourage someone with the gospel. And it just felt so alive, right? That's what happens. It never fails. It's a good thing. Sometimes we miss opportunities to take advantage of this emboldened state that God offers us. And it goes on. Let's read in verse 8 says, in, in Lystra there was a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. So he's listening. He's taking in the sermon, right? And, and, and Paul looked right at him, right? Paul's like, Pfft. he looked right at him. He did that in chapter 3, I think it was, to somebody, somebody else and heal him. And, and look what it says. It says, he saw that he had the faith to be healed. Paul, uh, Paul saw that this guy had the faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. There's a scripture in uh, 2 Chronicles, I think it's 16.9, that says God looks over, his eyes roam over the earth to find people that are fully committed to them so he can strengthen them. I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly how it goes. But that's, this is the principle at hand, right? God is watching over the earth. He's like, who's... Who's pumped up for me? Who's committed to me? Who's going on up? There's one. Let me help. 
let, let me help. Let me fill them up with what is good. And that's what's happening here. So not only is this happening to Paul and Barnabas, but now it's actually, they, they have the ability to repeat that with this, with this man, right? And Paul's, Paul's looking into his eyes and he's like, I can work with that, right? He sees something in the guy that says, wow, this guy's got some faith. I can, I can share what I have on account of that. And the next thing you know, the guy's healed. And that's how the gospel really spreads is when this attitude is happening. You know, I wonder, I wonder if Paul and Barnabas, they walked in here through the doors and through here and they started looking in our eyes. Man, there's some Sundays I'd be like, just uh, keep on going, right? Uh, but man, wouldn't that be awesome if, they, if you locked eyes and you got faith and you're, in, you're dialed in spiritually and they're dialed in spiritually and the next thing you know, awesome things are happening, right? But we've got to be in tune and we've got to have faith in order for that to happen. I've got a story of my own to share today uh, about work too, ironically. Uh, I, I build things with wood and that all starts, I, I mill logs with the sawmill, right? So I get a lot of logs around the back the backyard, and uh, um, a couple months ago, we finally got done with the snow, uh, and it was halfway decent, and I had these, these piles of scrap wood laying around, and, one, and I thought, man, it's a Saturday, it's calm outside, the kids are around, it's a good time to get rid of some of this wood, right? So we had a gigantic bonfire, and so we live out in the country a little bit, and, you know, so I'm, I wanted to do the safe thing, so I you know, brought the hose down from the house and the spigot, right, with the hose to just to make sure everything was cool and uh, started the fire, right? And the guys were there. I think Malik was there that day. You were there, right, Malik? Right. And uh, they actually got a recliner from the neighbor. They were chilling out watching this fire. I'm like, hey, keep an eye on this thing, right? Here's the hose. Spray the perimeter. And everything was going great. And the day looked good. It was calm. Well, it takes a long time for a 25-foot by... I don't know, 12 foot tall pile of wood. That's like a lot of fuel. <laughs> wood is fuel. Uh, to burn down. But everything was going well and the, the wind was softly blowing from the south out toward like, the, like a stubbly grass field. No danger there at all. So I'm, everything was fine. It was burning down quite nicely. And it was time for dinner. So we all went up for food and uh, ate some food. And I, I kind of macked it quick because I wanted to make sure, you know, you got to keep an eye on these things. Any firemen in the crowd? <laughs> One, two. I, I should probably apologize right now. Uh, so, uh, so I eat, eat food. I go down there, and uh, I look off to the west, and there's a, there's a front coming in. One of those, like, real sharp-lined fronts, you know, coming over the clouds. And I'm like, okay, we got some weather moving in. And it's getting to be evening. And so I, I grab the hose, you know, and it's coming, and, and, and within the course of about 10 minutes, a few things happened. First of all, the wind, notably, was coming, it shifted about 100 and I figure 50 degrees or so, it was coming from the south, and, and it twirled around, and now it's coming from the north, northwest, just gentle at first, and it's kind of headed out, instead of heading out toward the stubbly grass field, there's tall grass, meadow up the hill, and my neighbor's house right there. Uh, I got, uh, yeah, my neighbor Mike, he's a good guy. And I thought, well, that's a concern, right? So I grabbed the hose then and I swung into action like a good firefighter. Uh, started spraying her down and I noticed something, right? 
I, like there, there's these pockets, by now there's these pockets of like molten furnace-y looking stuff, right? It's just a, a glow. And I'm getting as close as I can, you know, maybe like me to Jake away. And I'm spraying them and it's looking like it's waning. I'm like, okay, that's good. I'm going to move over here, get this. And I look over and that's like back to like where it was and maybe even more. And I'm like, holy cow, this is just serious. Well, while all this is happening, the wind, like literally, it's just like, this front is like kind of creeping right over me and the wind just starts ripping. And when I say ripping, I'm like, it's got to be 30 miles an hour. And so I'm like, okay, abort that mission and I'm going to just spray up ahead on this grass over here because I don't want this to catch fire. And I'm like, okay. And so it got so intense, you guys. I'm like, I, th I think I need to call. I got to call 911 or the volunteer fire department because, man, I can just see it now, the headlines. Moron starts neighbor's house on fire, right? I can't do that. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And I got no other... And, and all this is happening, so this hose is coming down from my house, and since we're country folk, we're not plugged into the, like, the water main in town. We got a well with a pump. Well, the pump is like fatiguing, right? You can't keep up with all the water I'm trying to... So now the next thing, it's just like... So I got to take a break and let the pump recharge. And so finally, I'm just panicking, I'm, and I'm thinking, Tim, you're a Christian man. You may want to, you know, throw up a prayer. Yes, right? <laughs> so I'm like, God, this is bad. This is bad, God. Help. You know, just, it wasn't much of a prayer. It was just, <laughs> right? And then I think right away I went back to trying to find, like, who should I call? Like, is there, do I just flat out have to, I went, you know, do I just flat out call 911 here? Or is this like, maybe I should just quick Google, like, Brunswick Fire Department, right? They'll be here. And, and so just as I'm doing that, there's sparks going from the fire, showering over this field, and there's more, there's, now I have more than, there are like three or four fires in addition to the big fire that are starting. And no sooner did all that happen, the sky opened up and it just started pouring. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yes. And so I'm soaking wet and I'm still, you know, I'm hanging in there too. Uh, spraying it down, and finally things were under control within a few minutes, and I'm just like, my, you know, my heart's in my throat, and I'm just like, I'm just in such big trouble. Uh, but everything was good. It took me like a while to settle down, and I go up into the house, and Christine's like, what's going on? Why are she didn't know any of this was going on. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, it's cool. I was just uh, <laughs> checking the back 40 uh, is what I was doing, right? That's what I was up to. Uh, but so, so that, you know, everything, everything went okay. But my point is this. So often in our Christian life, right, we try to do everything on our own. Yeah, I'm going out today. I hope I meet somebody. And we think, man, I'm going to go make a difference for Jesus. Or more, more oftentimes, we try to fight our own sinful natures by ourselves, Right? We're in trouble. We're in sin. We don't even think about bringing it together. We're sitting there spraying it down. I can handle this. This is no, oh, gee whiz, it's over here now. And we're, we get, it's like out of control while we're trying to deal with it ourselves, right? And all we got to do is, is call out to God just like they do time and time again in the Scriptures, just like you've done before. And man, it's just amazing how much healing and cleansing in perspective changing, God will do like instantly if we just call out to Him. we got to hang on to the hose and put our effort forth too. 
while the rain was pouring on, I wasn't just like, okay, cool, I'm out. I'm sitting there working. We got to work. We got to put, we got to meet God where he is. But man, I'll tell you what, you guys, it's a bad spot to be in when we stop praying for our own ongoing struggle with sin, right? We're telling God, I got this. It's no problem. While the winds are howling, things are getting out of control. We've got to bring that to God. Amen? Amen. Acts 14 here in verse 11. Let's keep on reading. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in a Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Hmm. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest, uh, uh, the, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of the city, see they had their own religions there too, uh, brought bulls and wreaths to the, the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Interesting. But when the apostles... Uh, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from those worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons, he provides you with plenty of food and fills you up with hearts of joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Now, this is taking a unique turn, uh, to be sure. And to give you a little bit of background here, these people in, Ly so, these people in Lystra, there was, a, there was a, 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 a legend, if you will, but they claimed that years prior... Zeus and Hermes actually, which were popular Roman gods, came to their town, right? And they, they asked for hospitality, and no one gave them any hospitality except for one old couple, as the legend have, has. Well, Zeus and Hermes killed everybody else and rewarded this one couple, right? So these guys in the city, at least a contingent of them, see Paul and Barnabas coming into town years later, however long it was, and they're healing people, and they're like, wait a minute, we got to learn from our past, right? This is probably Zeus and Hermes, and if we don't hook them up, we're in trouble, right? So in a selfishly motivated act, they're like, hey, man, call the guy, the temple Zeus dude, get some bulls and animals, we got to sacrifice these guys hook them up, have a party, and nobody dies today, right? And so if the spiritual battle weren't confusing enough, they, these guys are dealing with that. And of course, their choice isn't like, yes, bring some food. I like beef or anything like that. They're like, no, you guys, you got it all wrong. And again, they, use, they don't use the situation for their own gain or their own what's in this for me. They're like, man, we got to point these people back to God, stat. And that's what they do, complete with tearing of their clothes and, you know, it's just like getting pumped up for Jesus is what they did. And God worked, right? However, what, what follows here? Let's check this out in verse 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Okay, so backing up a little bit. Now this multiplies the issue even. This is like a total circus going on here because now all this is happening plus... The places where they were preaching in weeks prior, the, the people that were against that, 
that, that, that wanted to hurt them are now following them around and helping incite a riot against Paul uh, and against Barnabas. I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be probably tapping out at this point, right? All this is going on, it's just like, let's just go back to Jerusalem, really. Spend some time with the family, get a little holiday. I mean, right? What good are we if, yeah, this is not going well. But these guys, these guys were dialed in spiritually. Uh, and so, then some Jews came and won them over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. There's a lot happening here. First of all, they stoned Paul. Okay? Stoning was an act of urban violence and also a Jewish thing that was meant to kill someone. Right? It happened, I think, in Acts 7, right? Stephen was the first Christian uh, martyr. They stoned Stephen. They intended to kill him. They intended to kill Paul here. The, the Jewish law wrote that when you're going to stone someone, the first thing you do is throw them off an embankment that's at least double the height of the person and probably more. So like if you're six feet tall, we're going to throw you off a 12-foot cliff or whatever, roof, whatever you want to call it, and then stand over that and throw large stones at the chest area of the victim or the perpetrator or whatever you want to call them until they are dead, Right? And so clearly God is working, like Jesus is, is totally saving Paul here because not only did he not die, but he like got up and, and like went back into town. So at the, I'm thinking if he did this on his own power, at the very least, he may have lived but then like crawled or got carried to someone's house where he sat in traction for three weeks while everything about him healed. But no, he's like up, I'm going back to town, you, you, let's go. We're going to go get, get my boys and go preach over here now, right? That's awesome. That's like, they're so in step with Jesus. Uh, they're so in step with the Spirit. I'm convicted big time. So let's see what happens next. Verse 21. Uh, they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then, then... They went back to Jerusalem to hang out and have a holiday and chill out and barbecue. No. Then they returned to all those places they, that they just were that, where they were getting all this persecution. Uh, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the, the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to, encourage, to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through, after going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. We'll finish up the chapter. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of the faith of the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. I love that scripture, the part where it says the work they had completed. Now the work was done. Why, why was that? 
I think the work was done when Paul and Barnabas went back to all those places with all the new Christians there that are just figuring out how to be Christians, and they got them together, and they prayed together, and they found out, man, who could help shepherd these groups in our absence, right? Man, we need leadership. And we're hooked up here, guys, uh, not only with Jesus, but jo man, Joel's is such a solid leader, such a great friend, such a humble soul. That's awesome. And Joel will take no credit for, for all that, as a, as a great leader would, right? Uh, but we're hooked up. But they, these guys needed help in these little churches. They, otherwise, there's just chaos. So they went there. Who's going to be elders? Let's pray and fast, right? Let's just be as spiritually tuned in as possible, you guys. While they share the testimony of what happened in the last four cities, which would be so convicting if you're a baby Christian, right? And they're like, okay, who's going to be elders? Maybe they started a couple Bible talks. Who knows? And I don't think that vernacular existed back then, but the concept sure did, right? How are you guys going to stay faithful, stay together, stay strong? And they built them up, and that was done, and that was solid. And then, and only then, they're like, that work is completed. And wow, did God act, and did God do his thing. It's a great chapter for the, the Bible. If they, I, I wonder if they had not gone back to complete that work, if, would Christianity be a thing today anymore? I think God needed people to have that kind of courage to spread the gospel to where people were open in order for us to gain traction and, and for people to have the courage beyond that to con continue to. Let's go places. Man, if there's open people, we're staying. Now, there were, pe there were places throughout the Bible where People try to bring the gospel, and man, nobody's open here. Let's get out of here. There's no use in spending time here, right? But man, we have a choice. When, when we go somewhere, there's open people, and there's, there's people that want to kill us. We've got to give our hearts to, to helping fan into flame what is good there and what can take root for God and where God can work. And that's what our brothers did in the first century, and I think that's outstanding. So, you know, as I, as I compare the struggles of the first century church to our, my struggles today, a lot of times they're different. I think our biggest struggle is prosperity, is complacency, is opportunity. That doesn't go for all. I mean, some, of, some folks in here are dealing with some big issues right now, and that's a different place to be in. But largely, man, from day to day, the world we live in, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, 2018 is a hookup, right? From a worldly standpoint, we can do anything we want. There's so much to go after. Life is fun. There's good people around, not just here, but around town. There's, it's, a good, it's a good place to live. The danger spiritually with that is we could be so involved with the hope that comes from that, we forget all about the hope that comes from the age to come, the spiritual hope, right? I appreciate Chris Moose. A lot of times he'll be like, if I'm jacked up or he'll do it for himself, go take a dry bro in a cemetery, right? He did that, I think, on his birthday recently. I'm like, dude knows what's up. And the, re this is, the reason he does that is exactly what I'm just saying. He's like, man, I'm getting too involved with the, the world and all of its trappings and all the worldly stuff in my life is getting big and my worldly problems are taking a stage that they don't deserve. And man, if we can step back, and honestly, that's the upside for me in dealing and looking close in the last couple of weeks with, with death, is that it's helped me be like, man, oh, my days are numbered. All of our days are so numbered. And we sang that song, 10,000 years, bless the Lord, oh my soul, 10,000, what's the name of that? 
10,000 Reasons Exactly. That's such a, such a great song because it, it helps get us into a perspective of tomorrow, of the age to come instead of today. So my, my hope for you as we read this and as we close up today is that you can calibrate yourself spiritually. Go to God for fuel and power and, and courage uh, to, to, to see the world that we live in spiritually instead of from a worldly standpoint. Thank you very much.